0: is study number 10 of Genesis chapter 4. And we're going to be beginning in verse 10, where it says, And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And I'll stop reading there. Now, uh, again, God is speaking to Cain, who has slain his brother, killed his brother, and and God knows that he has done this. And And so the Lord says to Cain, What? Hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. In the previous verse, Cain had attempted to conceal his sin when God asked him, Where is Abel his brother? He said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? But sin cannot be concealed from God. It's an impossibility. As... um, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, it says in verse 13, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And, and so God knows what Cain has done. God not only knows the outward act but he knows the inner sin of hatred that Cain hated his brother and and wherefore hated he him the the bible asks that question in 1 john 3:12 and because god knows the inner thoughts of man he's able to answer it because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous and so even though the lord knows all about it he is questioning Cain first where is Abel what have you done and and then god reveals that uh, he he knew about it all along the voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground now it's interesting that god mentions the voice of Abel's blood and we um talked about that a little bit in the last study that it's not literally the voice of the blood the the blood of Abel cannot speak it it's just a a physical substance and and it would be lying on the ground where he was slain silently like um any other thing it it just cannot speak, but God does also tell us in hebrews chapter 12 he he makes reference uh he uh implies that abel's blood speaks in hebrews 12 and i'll start reading in verse 23 to the general assembly and church of the firstborn which are written in heaven and to god the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect and to jesus the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. And, and so here it says that the blood of sprinkling of the new covenant speaks better things than Abel, than Abel's blood. And, and, and that is, um, the testimony that God assigned Abel's blood. It says, Though Abel's blood is speaking, we we went to Revelation 6, verse 10, where uh, we read of the souls of them that were slain for the word of God, the souls under the altar, and they're crying out that their blood be avenged. And it is as though all of the children of God who have been slain upon the earth are beseeching the Lord for justice, for vengeance that uh, their death was a wrong, and and, uh, it it was a transgression of the law of God, Uh, whether it was a a literal physical killing like Abel, or like the saints of God who were burned at the stake for the sake of the Bible just a few centuries ago, or spiritually uh, God's people being killed by being driven out of the churches and congregations. However it is, it's as though God hears the cries of his people through their blood, through their blood. And we wonder why um, the the reference to the blood. And for instance, remember in Matthew 23 it said in verse 35 that upon you may come all the righteous blood, shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias' son of Barachias, whom he slew between the temple and the altar. Notice that God speaks of Abel's righteous blood, the blood of righteous Abel and the blood of Zacharias. Why is their blood said to be righteous? Well, because God has saved him. And we know in Romans that none are righteous, but by the obedience of one, many are made righteous. Yes, but um, when we become born again, it's our soul that is made anew. We become a new creature. We have a new resurrected spirit without sin. And yet our physical body is still corrupt our physical body is still contaminated with sin until the resurrection. And blood, literal blood, of a child of God is part of our body, our physical body. And, and therefore, it's not righteous. It's not righteous at all. You know, that's not our blood type. Uh, when we go to give blood, it's not as though the people of the world have... The type of unrighteous blood and, and when the elect go to give blood, they have righteous blood. What's your blood type? Well, my type is righteous. No, uh, if you had two types of blood or if you had two people, uh, one of which was saved and one of which was unsaved and they both gave blood and they both happened to be the same blood type, uh, O or A, whatever, then you couldn't tell their blood apart. There's no distinction, really, between the blood of man with another man. We we might have different blood types, but there's no distinction as far as righteous and unrighteous blood. But God makes reference to the blood, as it says again in verse 35 of Matthew 23, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachias, All the righteous blood from righteous Abel's blood to Zacharias. And and why? Why? Well, you know, God says this in Acts 17. Concerning the inhabitants of the earth, uh, the people of the world, he says in verse 26 of Acts 17, And hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Here, God is indicating that all people of the earth have one blood. Now, again, going back to the example of giving blood to the blood bank. Now, it doesn't mean we all have the same type of blood, O negative or whatever. But God has made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth. And, and that is that all men come from Adam. All human beings are born in the line of Adam and therefore we all have the same blood which is guilty. It says in Psalm 51 in verse 14, deliver me from blood guiltiness O God, Thou God of my salvation, deliver me from blood guiltiness. If you were delivered from blood guiltiness, you would have innocent blood. Your blood would not be guilty, it would be innocent. And the Bible speaks of innocent blood. And God has very terrible things to say about those that slay innocent blood. Actually, again and again, um, this is just an example. In Jeremiah chapter 7, it says in verse 6, If ye oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. And we know stranger, fatherless, and widow are types and figures of God's elect. And shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after other God's to your hurt. The innocent blood. It's not those that are blood guilty. And all that are descendants of Adam. God is made of one blood. All nations. We all are guilty. Until God saves us. And we're all children of wrath. Even as others. But then when God saves us. The figure is the blood that's coursing through our veins is no longer guilty. We're delivered from blood guiltiness. Even though we also are descendants from Adam, God's elect, have likewise uh, come forth ultimately from Adam and Eve from two sinners, and you cannot bring a clean from an unclean. So we all have guilty blood, but... Due to the cleansing work of the Lord Jesus Christ, we become washed thoroughly from our sins in the sight of God, and we become of innocent blood. Now, if your blood is innocent, what's another way of saying that? You now have righteous blood. Righteous blood. Your blood is just in God's sight, or righteous in God's sight. And so the people of god through the work of the lord jesus christ are made righteous and and so their blood is as it were purified and cleansed and, and uh, purged of all guilt and 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 now it becomes um righteous or innocent in the sight of god okay going back to genesis 4 after verse 10, I'll read verse 10 again. What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which is open her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. And And this is the curse. Now, well, let me just say this before we move on to verse 11 concerning verse 10. It's a little surprising... That God says to Cain, uh, now you are cursed from the earth. Now you're cursed. Why is it surprising? Because in the previous chapter, Genesis 3, Adam and Eve sinned. And in the day you eat thereof, you will die. The curse of God came upon mankind. It, it, It came upon the serpent. It came upon Adam. It came upon Eve. All Humanity was cursed when man fell into sin. But here, it's like it's another curse. Well, what further curse could God curse Cain with? He's already cursed because he's come forth from two parents that were cursed. And he's already dead in his spirit essence because of the previous curse and so forth. But, but now God is indicating that, that now you're cursed. Now. And, and when we see this, that means at this point in time. And that reminds us that this whole series of events is related to the offering that was given in the end of days. In the end of days, God required the offering. God made known which one, uh, Abel, was accepted and, and approved and which one, Cain, was not. And as a result, Cain rises up and kills his brother, Abel. It's all taking place in the end of days. We've already seen how this relates to the two that are growing in the field, the wheat and the tares. It relates to what we read in Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death. And the father, the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. The context uh, or the reference concerning the same hour it will be given you what to speak it is a almost identical statement to what we find in Mark 13 in verse 10 and verse 11 and and that's dealing with the great tribulation. The the language of brother delivering up brother to death, therefore relates to what takes place spiritually during the Great Tribulation period when within the church we have professed Christian, true Christian, brother and brother, the wheat and the tares, they they were not to uh, be separated. You could not distinguish one from the other. And that's how God intended for it to be. All throughout the church age, but come the time of the end. And at the time of the end, judgment begins at the house of God. Yes, you live in a cursed world, and the judgment of God abides upon the unsaved. As the Bible says, the wrath of God abides, that is, remains, upon the sinner. All throughout the history of the world, the wrath The anger of God was abiding upon the sinner. And and so there was a judgment, and that uh, relates all the way back to the judgment of Adam and Eve. There was a curse upon man. But now it's the time of the end, and now comes the official period, the official time in which God will judge sinners. And he starts the official process of the final judgment with the house of God. Judgment begins at the house of God. And and so he starts it where the two brothers are dwelling together. Two are in the field. They've both been given the commission to go out with the word of God to the nations. And... And and here is where God makes distinction. It's now time of the Great Tribulation, that hour. And as God opens up the Scriptures, each time he does, it begins to really lead to a, a schism, a separation, a division between one brother and the other, until finally the command is unearthed, a, a dug out of the bible as a treasure that the church age is over and the people of god are to go forth out of the churches and congregations and the brother who is like cain who goes in the way of cain the one that god has not respect unto the 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 one like uh, uh also we could say like esau and and God does use also Esau to picture this same identical truth in um, Obadiah. Uh Obadiah is that one chapter book before Jonah. It says in Obadiah uh, verse ten, for thy violence against thy brother Jacob. God is here addressing uh Esau. Uh, for thy violence against thy brother Jacob, shame. "'shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off for ever. "'In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, "'in the day that the strangers carried away captive his forces, "'and foreigners entered into his gates, "'and cast lots upon Jerusalem, "'even thou wast as one of them. "'But thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother, "'in the day that he became a stranger,' Neither shouldest thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction neither shouldest thou have spoken proudly in the day of distress thou shouldest not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity yea thou shouldest not have looked on their affliction in the day of their calamity nor have laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity and, and it continues but uh, the the calamity is the judgment of God upon the corporate church. This is a tumultuous time, a, a extremely trying time for the elect and, and Esau, the brother of Jacob, Jacob representing the elect, Esau, the, the, the member of the congregation is using the opportunity to assault, to do violence against his brother, to deliver him up, to finally get rid of him. Let's cast him out. Let's pronounce, pronounce some edicts against them. Uh, let, let's um, call them um, of Satan and, and say they have another gospel. And, and let's just uh, say that this is a cult. And whatever the language they're using, it's language to spiritually kill the child of God, to slay their brother. And, and it, it all relates to what's happening. God is describing it in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, as he is detailing the events that took place between these first two brothers, Cain and Abel. And so again, verse 11, And now art thou cursed from the earth. This is basically equivalent to God pronouncing the end of the church age. The judgment of God has now come down upon the the wicked brother, the one uh, of that wicked one, the tares that the enemy sowed amongst the wheat. God is pronouncing the judgment upon them uh, because they have slain their brother, uh, their righteous ones of innocent blood. And, and so God says uh, that they are cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. Now, I just want to uh, read a related verse. In Isaiah 26, where God speaks of hiding his people, in verse 20, Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, Jehovah cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. Now remember, Cain said unto Jehovah, in verse 13, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Of course, there there was no eternal fire of hell that Cain experienced. Um, I, re- I remember reading this punishment uh, a long time ago when I was um, just a Christian for a couple of years and thinking, doesn't sound like it's all that terrible, but, but it was teaching the spiritual principle of being cut off of being separated from God, of losing the blessing of God, of losing the spirit of God, of losing the possibility of salvation. It it says again in Isaiah 26, verse 21, For behold, Jehovah cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood. And shall no more cover her slain. The earth has received enormous amounts of blood from those that have been slain, uh, in an evil way, in a wicked way, in, in just looking at it, uh, from, uh, an earthly standpoint. Just, just the number of murders is staggering in year after year after year. And there are literally tens of millions of murders that aren't even counted as murders when we factor in abortions and, and things like that. But for what the world counts as murder, there's still millions and millions of murders and therefore murders that that uh, have taken place over the course of history or during wars People have been killed unjustly, murdered, like the Jews in the concentration camps. Just, just scores of millions of people have had their blood shed, and it, it's as though it's gone into the earth, and, and of course, all through history are God's people that have either physically been murdered or spiritually killed, and, and so the whole Earth, the whole world, it, it's like uh, it, not a single death has been forgotten. Not one individual's wrongful death has been overlooked. It, it's all been recorded by the earth itself. And in the day of the judgment on the, the churches and congregations, God brings them to task for innocent blood. For the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zacharias, but for the world, it's the blood of all those slain upon the earth, and and uh, this also relates to the elect of God. But it is a time wherein the law of God demands satisfaction for the wrongdoings, and and the law of God declares. Whosoever sheds man's blood, by man will his blood be shed. So God now, to appease the law, to satisfy the law's demands, must shed the blood of all the wicked. He must take their life, as that's what shedding of blood ultimately points to. It points to the giving up of one's life. Uh, and and so judgment day is a time where the life of the sinner is demanded by the law of God and the law will be satisfied once it kills the wicked ones and and then the cry of vengeance of those who have had their blood shed is as if it has been appeased